0: Hello, welcome ministry leaders for our uh, spring ministry leaders training. We're talking tonight about ministry growth for the future. Um, So critical to each and every um, aspect of our ministry is not just Pouring into what's already there, but growing and expanding for the future, developing leaders, and preparing, God, preparing for what God has next. So I'm going to hand you off to Pastor Matt. Um, we're kind of jumping in, actually, on the recording in the middle of his introduction, talking about our vision for ministry growth. Um, he's looking at Genesis 2.15, where it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so we see those two concepts, uh, both in physical work, but also in ministry, of working and keeping. Uh, keeping involves maintaining what's already there, and working has to do with expanding and growing and cultivating. And so I'm going to turn it over now to Pastor Matt. Thank you.
1: You're laboring in such a way uh, to, uh, to improve the quality of the house, right? That might be replacing appliances. Right? Adding a gardener, landscaping, painting, decoration, renovating, even rearranging, right? These are the things you do that add value to your home and add beauty to your home, right? They're both important, right? They're both aspects of what you do. And a similar application can be made to your job, you know, your career outside the home, even your family life. There are aspects of your work that are really just focused on upkeep, okay? Just keeping things from not falling apart, (laughs) not keeping the doors open on your work, your business, right? Managing. And that's super important, right? But there's other aspects of your job that involve growing, expanding, optimizing, finding new ways of doing things that are more efficient, streamlining, communication, things that that just make things better. Okay? Working and keeping. Today I'd like you to be thinking about this idea of working and keeping, how that applies to your ministry here at Living Hope Church. Because I think all of our ministry involves aspects... Of both, right? There are things that we do um, that just by showing up and being there and fulfilling a role, you're keeping things going, okay? Um, we need Sunday school teachers to show up and teach. We need life facilitators to make things like scheduling for hosting, learning songs for worship, or loading slides for projection, holding babies in a nursery, filling communion cups, right? Working the camera uh, for our, our live streaming worship, or set, setting up and taking down chairs, right? Just it's the, it's the day-in, day-out stuff that we do. Um, and all of this is essential, right? You, you, you keep the church and the ministry going just by doing those things that keep the gains uh, that we've already had. So part of ministry is honestly maintaining what we have and what God has, uh, what God has given us and what others have faithfully worked to produce. You know, we're, we're being faithful by making sure those things stay in place, Right? So take joy. There, there is an aspect. We should just take joy in the, the week-in, week-out aspect of our work that is just keeping it, right? But there's another aspect of our ministry that is our focus tonight, the thing, this idea of ministry growth. And that, and that goes beyond keeping it, because hopefully we're not stuck there. Hopefully we don't feel like a place where you're like, man, I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm just keeping the gears turning. Like That's important stuff. Laundry's important. Districts are important, right? But I think the thing that oftentimes gets us really excited is, is, is growth. You know, in your home, it's it's when you buy new furniture, when you paint a new wall, when you re you know when you do. In the same thing in ministry, often it's when you come to a ministry and you bring something new, or you make something better, or you you add something in such a way that it's optimized, the ministry flows better or grows. Oftentimes in our work, in our home life, in our ministry, that's actually some of the most exciting stuff, right? So, uh, uh then that's what we'll be kind of focusing on tonight, right? We want to be faithful workers who have a vision for working, it. you know, the idea to make our ministries thrive and grow. Of particular importance, though, uh, to focus even deeper uh, in our need is our need to grow more leaders, right? If we're going to see ministry growth, part of that is going to be investing in and growing and raising up new leaders. It's a key that as our church grows— Right? By God's grace, our ability to reach, evangelize, and disciple more individuals and more families, uh, we're going to need more workers, more leaders, more people involved uh, who are growing and filling the ministry. So you have a part to play in that, right? We, so we're calling this training Ministry Growth uh, for the Future. A key verse that informs this vision for growing ministry comes from 2 Timothy 2, 1-2. through 2. And so uh, you should see it there in your notes. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust faithful men, who will be able to trust others also. It's supposed to be teach others also, sorry. Uh, so here Paul is encouraging Timothy to raise up leaders like himself. Right? Timothy had a responsibility. He was supposed to keep... Teaching. He was supposed to keep preaching. He, so he had that he had to maintain that. Like he had to do his, his own aspect. But Paul's giving him a vision for ministry growth in the future. And you see it, you see multiple generations in Paul's thinking here. He isn't thinking about, hey, Timothy, just just find your replacement so you can retire. He's not thinking, he's thinking like a generation even beyond that. You actually see I'm sure you've heard this before, you have four generations here in Paul's statement. You have Paul, right? For the apostle who taught Timothy along with several others and he's saying, Timothy, I want you to find faithful men you can trust to the gospel who in turn will be able to teach others. So Paul is like, hey, I'm thinking three generations down the line, Paul is. And so we see this idea that that Timothy had an expectation to keep it, you know, the ministry of just continuing to teach and preach but then also looking ahead to raising up more leaders so the ministry can grow and expand. So that's part of the paradigm that we're looking at as well. And so tonight, uh, our, 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 our vision for ministry growth is in this area of, of finding and raising up leaders and multiplying ministry growth in that way. So uh, we're, I'm going to look at uh, what we're going to begin tonight. I'm going to look at one specific ministry, and this is the idea of life groups because it's so central to who we are. And I want to talk first about the idea of multiplying life groups. So that's a central ministry that nearly all of your ministries are connected to in some way. And then we're going to kind of pivot off that and talk about, there's some things we can learn about that uh, that that really feed into your, there's implications for your own ministries. And we'll talk about finding and training up leaders in your own areas. So with that said, I don't think I've prayed yet. (laughs) So there's our intro that set the course. Let me go ahead and pray and I'll take a few minutes and talk about a vision for for life multiplication. Lord God, we thank you that we could gather here tonight. God, I thank you that you give us ministry, that you fill us with your spirit, that you've given us opportunity here at Living Hope, Lord, to to use the gifts that you've given us to bless one another, um, to build up one another, to further the mission of the church. God, your mission. So Lord, as we we gather together and talk about strategy, God, I pray that uh, you would bless us, that you would fill us, you'd encourage us and equip us So, Lord, we as individuals and as a church can be effective and fruitful for the gospel of Christ. Lord, let this be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, let's take a look at life groups as kind of a launching point. Life groups are a central part of our ministry here at Living Hope. And just about all of you either are currently or have been in life groups before, right? It's... um, In our Discovering Living Hope class, if any of you have been to that recently, probably all of you have been at one point, uh, we say that the Sunday morning worship time is like really the heart of our ministry, but the life groups are the circulatory system. It's the thing that really we hope connects everyone together. Now we have lots of great ministries that connect like specific age groups. Like I work with teenagers, right? We have dynamic, we have children, we have Arise and shine and men's women's accountability groups, and these all these are all ministries that really hone in like with one specific time. uh, demographic or age group. And they're so, so meaningful and important for connecting people. Our hope is that life groups are really designed to help people of every age group, family situation, spiritual maturity level even, and really connect to the body and grow in Christ. So, uh, elders have recognized that there's a lot of shepherding and care that happens at that level, and if you, you know, have been in your small group ministries, you've recognized that. Right? There's a lot that happens in the small group level when you're sharing prayer requests. You know, when you're, when you're talking through doubts and worries and fears and troubles and issues, you're dealing with a lot of shepherding, accountability, encouragement, stirring to good works and mission, happens at that, at that level, at the life group level. With this in mind, as our church grows more and more, and we're praying, God, you know, as we, as we be able to reach more families and individuals, there's constantly a need for more life groups. Right, every year we kind of think through, like, you know, during COVID we dropped a little bit, right, but every year we're like, we just need to, to have more, more groups, more leaders. Each summer, I'm hoping to recruit more facilitators and increase the number of groups. Sometimes I just break even. There's enough people who kind of need to roll off and take a break and then I gain some more, and sometimes we break even. Praise God we were able to add some groups this past year. But at our last Life Group Facilitators meeting, we were trying to discuss, like, what's the sweet spot for people in a life group. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you, especially if you didn't come to that meeting, what do you think is like, hey, in a life group, in a small group, like this is the sweet spot for the number of people in a group. Don't look at your notes. Is it in your notes? Never mind. You can still ask. <laughs> I, will, I, w- I will. Did anybody not look at their notes? Who wants to answer? No, you all cheated. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't look at the own, my own notes I read. Uh, so yeah, we found that really the best range seems to be about like six to twelve. You know, at, at, at six people, at six, if anybody's absent, you feel like there's it's not. You like, only have like four people there. But if when you start getting to like twelve people beyond, like you start losing a little bit of intimacy. You start losing the ability to for everybody to have input. You know, there's not enough time to meet and for everybody to have like significant say. Um, so maybe that those are the kind of the you know really the sweet spot. Maybe eight to ten people. Right, that's kind of I think, what we land on. So the boundaries maybe are 6 to 12, and there are some groups that have had 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 people in a life group, right? But we know that's not ideal. And so we, as we discussed, 8 to 10 is kind of a sweet spot, but we've noticed in our life facilitators, meaning that a good amount of our groups are already like at that threshold or beyond. And so we're at a place where we recognize that we need to continually be meeting, uh, multiplying more groups, even for the coming fall. So, how do we do that? Right? And and, and have any of you ever been in a group that you really like? That then, right when you get comfortable, right when everybody feels like they're connecting, everybody's pointing and laughing at Pastor Tim? It's not everybody, it's just Ryan and April. Well, Jackie? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, um, yeah, you find, it takes, it seems like it takes a good two years almost to get like a, to find that like really good, where you connect well, there's some trust built, you know, you have a good rapport, and then it's time for Pastor Matt to break a group up. Is that what it feels like sometimes? Um, it's not fun that way, right? We, we, there's a book uh, called Sticky Church. There's even a chapter called Dividing Groups is Dumb. Is that what it's called? So, yeah, because no one really likes it, right? We have this thing where we want to have healthy groups that feel like this is a life group. This is a family. This is a place where you connect. And then right when you get to that place, it's like, okay, now we need more groups. Somebody, you know, we're trying to split you up. That's not really ideal. And so while we do need to multiply groups, we, we also uh, want people to feel like you have a home and groups have some stability to them. So I guess what I want to do in just like a very short few minutes is just kind of talk about what is what is our preferred strategy for multiplying groups. In the past we talked about there's all different kinds of ways, and it's true, there are. Sometimes groups just like reach their their lifespan and they just kind of come to an end. And sometimes groups divide in half. There's all different ways. But I think if we have a preferred method, I would describe it like this: planting groups. Like planting new groups. Right? So similar the way I would describe it is this. It's similar to how we are involved in church planting right now, but on a smaller scale, and it it would kind of work like this, where each group begins from the beginning, not in like March or April when the group's about to line out, but from the very beginning, having a vision to say, we want at some point in the next year or two to send out someone who can plant a life group. So so from the very beginning, having a goal to, to raise up a leader from within the group, That person can be trained and sent, or that couple or whatever, can be sent out to start a new group. So it starts with identifying someone. Who is the individual or the couple who has interest in your group? And you can maybe discern that pretty early on. Who who is the person or, or couple that has interest, potential to lead a group, or facilitate discussion? And sometimes you learn that just from observing the group. Other times, just giving people opportunity to do things. Hey, can you lead this part of the discussion? Hey, can you can you uh, can you help set up this schedule for us? Can you you know lead the prayer request time for our group? Whatever it might be, leading children's devotions, but giving people in the group opportunities to lead to facilitate in different areas and see who has potential, see who has passion. We'll talk more. Well, Pastor Tim, we'll talk more about identifying leaders after this. But looking at your group starting early from the very beginning with a mind to do that. The second, ask, the second part of it, I, you know, beyond identifying, would be like apprenticing this person. I use that, that word uh, because it sounds official on purpose. I think one of the things that we're doing you know, with, with Ed Mejia is we have like, a church residency. Everyone, in the, It's not a secret. Everyone in the church knows that he's here, he's being trained up, he's getting opportunities all over, and then we're sending him out, and the whole church is in on it. Right, it's a it's a corporate plan. I think it'd be so helpful in life groups if the whole if the whole life group is saying yes. This person, we're 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 seeing this person raised up and trained up. So it's not like a just behind the scenes, like yeah, they can do it, <laughs> you know. Like, but really, um, the whole group is involved in this. Um, so facilitators would be intentional about training this person, uh, giving him opportunities to facilitate discussion once a month or lead in other areas of the group. And the whole and the group as a whole could be supportive and involved. And then, lastly, when the time comes, the group is able to send this person or this couple out. Maybe, it, might be, it might be in the fall, might be when a new season comes around, or it may be in the middle of a season. We usually have that, that nice break right on wintertime after Christmas where sometimes we do launch new groups. At this point, this, this, this person or couple would leave the group to start a new one, probably paired with somebody else from another group, you may even choose to have somebody who's already in your group choose to go with them and, and be, you know, part of part of a, uh, part of that new group as a support system. Right? But my hope is that in this process, right, you have you have a group that from the very beginning is committed to planting another life group, right? That want, that, that sees that from the very beginning, but also is able to maintain and stay together. That they're working on this project together, and that when somebody is sent out after a year or maybe a little bit longer. You know, the group still maintains together and is able to uh, to have that health. right? And then April will be happy. Uh, no, we all will, because we, when we find a healthy group, we want to stay there. So in this way, we can be intentional about raising up new leaders and growing groups while also keeping life groups together longer and not breaking them up unnecessarily. So guys, this shouldn't seem groundbreaking or revolutionary. It's like, oh, yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah, like hopefully it does, it does seem familiar. Like this is a kind of a basic way of re- identifying, apprenticing, and sending someone out. We do that in many different areas. I think it's a simple application of 2 Timothy 2. Find people who can do what you do, raise them up, and send them out. This is a way that ministry continues and grows, where we can kind of work it and keep it. But consider this for your own ministries, though. Because we, we, we t- I talked about life groups because I think this is something I'd like to talk more about, like that you'll be hearing more about. We'll kind of be developing and, and, and helping life group facilitators do. But I wanted to kind of use this to talk about life groups but also to give you kind of like a case study, right? For you to think about your own ministries. Who are the people in your own ministries, whether it be hospitality, men's and women's groups, dynamic, outreach team, setup. Who are the people in your ministry right now? They can not only replace you when you're ready to go, but maybe come alongside you or grow the ministry. I think it's important to have that mindset now, being able to identify, apprentice, and send whatever that looks like for your specific ministry. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, hand it over to Pastor Tim now. He's going to be talking about what it looks like to identify and raise up leaders.
0: Awesome, good stuff right on cue. Um, the scheduled floor waxer has arrived, so that should um, be helpful to everybody being able to hear me. Um, Matt, um, So how many of you in this room would consider yourself a leader in Living Hope Church? Just a show, show of hands. Like, just the way you think of yourself, if somebody asked you your involvement in Living Hope, would you consider yourself a leader? Okay. How, how many of you remember um, when you were asked to lead. Raise your hand if you would say that, that you were surprised when the elders or another deacon or youth leader asked you to, to to kind of step into a leadership role. Were you like taken off guard? Like, oh, I didn't. Okay, some of you. So the hope would be that nobody would be surprised. It would be like a natural step. Like, oh yeah, I've been helping out with youth ministry. I've been filling in here and there. Like, Matt asked me to take, you know, so-and-so out to lunch once a, once a month. Like, Yeah, of course, it makes sense that I would now be a a leader in the youth ministry, right? We don't want it to be a surprise. We want it to feel like a natural step in your own personal development, the development of others, and in the development of the ministry. Um, So, you know, how do you identify potential leaders? How do you identify people in your existing ministry that you should be investing in that have the potential to to grow the ministry, to to grow themselves? Um, Really, what we're talking about is, is building people up uh, many of whom will be built up into a leadership role, but others will just be built up into Christ, right? And so leadership development and Christian discipleship are almost, you, you know, not synonymous, but I mean pretty close, right? And so if you've been investing in somebody for the last two years in women's ministry or or in your children's class, you know, thinking that maybe they'll, they'll become the next team leader and that never happens— um, That's not a a waste. You've just poured into them and discipled them in Christ because most of the principles and the characteristics that we need to develop to grow into leadership are are part of just Christian growth and and maturity in Christ. Um, Another thing that I want to say as we talk about kind of identifying future leaders in your ministry is that the elders are not putting the responsibility on you to say, like, Randy, you have to find someone in your life group to be the next life group leader of the church, and you should tell that person they're going to be leading a life group and promise them that they will, right, like this This is, we're just talking about investing in people uh, identifying people having conversations with the leaders but we wouldn't ask you to 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 say, like, you know uh so and so you're going to be the next lunch fellowship coordinator and and I can see it and I'm going to make sure the elders put you in that like like please please don't promise or guarantee somebody in that role you can be very clear like you've been a big help and I want to invest in you and pour into you and 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 you know let's continue that conversation um, on the, on the back of your packet tonight is uh what we call the 7 Cs of assessing ministry calling I'm not going to go over those but this is just another thing for you to think about, for you to encourage other people to think about as they evaluate their calling and their involvement in ministry. Um, you know, what's their character, what's their, their level of understanding in their confession of biblical doctrine, what's their, their competence, meaning their gifting and their skills, their capacity, their type of time and energy, their chemistry. Getting along and connecting with others on the team, their culture, understanding the values of children's ministry or youth ministry, and then confirmation what other people think about them. But we're not going to talk about that, but that's a resource for you to look at um, at another time. But what I want to uh, spend the next few minutes talking about is that if we are looking for, for potential future leaders, we want to look at people that are already showing fruit, right? The people that are already in your ministry, already showing fruit, have the greatest potential to continue to bear fruit with increased responsibility, with increased leadership role. And so, fruit is an acronym. Jillian was teasing me a little bit about my acronyms, but hopefully it's helpful to you. So again, we're not just talking about life groups, we're talking about all your areas of ministry. Whether it's children, youth, the men's or women's team, you know, deacons, hospitality, the worship ministry, dynamic. Um, we want you to be continually identifying who is it that is bearing fruit, who has the, the potential to continue to bear fruit in an increased uh, potential leadership capacity. So, so first would be looking for people that are faithful, right? The F stands for faithful. Um, we already read that, that kind of our key verse for this evening um, where Paul uh, tells Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses is entrust to faithful men, right? Entrust to, to what God has put in your heart to people that are faithful, that, that are stable in their faith in Jesus, um, that are steady in their personal life, that have healthy family lives. Um, you, you see there that verse from 2 Timothy 1, 5 to 5-6. Um, Paul there writes and, and says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, right? A faith that he saw in, his, in Timothy's mom and his grandmom. And he says, I'm sure now dwells into you, right? And so we're looking for people that love Jesus, that are faithful in their Christian calling. But beyond that, people that are reliable. Not just faithful to, to Jesus, but you could say faithful to the ministry. That's what I mean by Reliable. Right. The future leaders of your current ministry, wherever you're serving, are more than likely people that are in your ministry right now. Right. And so like in youth ministry, who are the juniors and seniors that have significant potential to be a youth leader in two years and three years? Right. In women's ministry, who are the women that are always showing up? that are always helping out. They're always ready. You know, they somebody that could potentially be on the women's ministry team next year. Um, they have an interest in the ministry, they have a heart for the ministry, and, and they've seen the fruit of the ministry in their own lives. And so that means they're reliable. They're showing up. They want to be there. They're already involved. They're already invested and committed uh, to the ministry. They're, they're consistent, right? And so you might have a, a, a teacher, if you're a team leader in one of the children's classes, you might have a teacher that is super gifted, a dynamic leader, other kid's favorite teacher. But guess what? They always are calling out. They never show up, right? They're, never, they're just not reliable. That they might be the most gifted, dynamic leader in the world, but if they're not reliable and consistent in the ministry, they may not be ready to lead. So we're looking for people that are, that are fruitful, that are faithful, that are reliable. Uh, this verse in Acts 16, when, when Paul first met Timothy, what, what was one of the things that stuck out to him about Timothy? What does it say there in verse 2? He was well spoken of by the brothers. Right, like Paul showed up, and everybody was talking about Timothy. I imagine a large part of that was his faith in Jesus, and his he was already showing himself to be reliable in the ministry. And so, what happened? Paul took him and he circumcised him, showing that he was definitely committed to the ministry. Okay, he was reliable and he was teachable, but he had a good reputation as somebody that was already engaged. Um, The U stands for useful. So they're faithful, they're reliable, but they're useful. Now listen. You don't need to have somebody, if, you, if you're if you like, you know, Randy's thinking to himself, I don't have somebody in my life group that's, that's like fully developed, that's fully useful as a life group leader. That's okay. We're not looking for people that are already developed. We're looking for people that you can say, yep, there's something to work with there. Right? They have some gifting, some level of of interest in the ministry. And so, you, you know, George on the worship team uh Somebody that, yeah, they show up, they come to worship team gatherings, they practice, and, w- and when it's their turn to, to lead a, a, you know, a set, um, they, they do it effectively. And there's some, some gifting there, some, some interest there. Um, they should have a basic gifting, some basic confidence for whatever ministry it is, whether it's children or youth or, or women or life groups or all these things that we're talking about. If the ministry involves, if it's dynamic and you need somebody that can organize events, well, they should have some capacity for organization. If it's, if it's a teaching ministry, whether it be life group or children's ministry, they should be able to, to, to with your help, put a, a lesson together. Whether it's connecting with youth, you know, again, they might be super knowledgeable, but if they have no ability to talk to a 14 year old, right, maybe youth ministry is not the best fit for them. So, so are they useful in that particular capacity? Um, again, 1 Thessalonians 3. Look and continue to look at how Paul invested in Timothy. He says to the Thessalonians, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith. Right. Why did they send Timothy? Because he was useful. They, they, didn't, they knew that he would have the ability to, to have a small little job. Right. Paul and Silas couldn't go back. They said, we're going to send Timothy. He's not planning a church. He's not preaching a leadership seminar. He's going to check on the Thessalonians. But guess what? Timothy was somebody that could do that well. So they gave him that small task. I intentional. Um, Now look, the reality is, if I ask you know the majority of you to help clean up afterwards tonight, which we may do, only only a super rude or apathetic person. I mean, unless you had like a genuine obligation, right? But only a rude or apathetic person is going to say, "No, I'm not cleaning up. I'm I'm leaving," right? Most most people in your ministry will help out if you ask them directly. But what we're looking for is somebody that's intentional, right? Potential. Uh, somebody who has leadership potential is going to be intentional. That means that, that they not only step up when you ask them, but it means that they somebody who sees a need and takes initiative. Man, initiative is so, so crucial, right? Somebody who's, who's willing to come in and to say to Hope when she sees Hope putting things out. Like, hey, is there anything that, that you need a hand with? What, what can I do to help? Or maybe even doesn't ask her. Just sees her walking back and forth from the kitchen and just goes to the kitchen and grabs a tray of cookies to bring it out, right? Initiative is such a key component of leadership development. Um, attentive to the needs of people, eager to help out. Again, we see this in Timothy in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes there, he says, I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. So again, we see his faithfulness. We see that he's useful. But I I think there's some intentionality, right? He's taking some initiative. Everybody else is concerned about their own interests. But what about Timothy? He's concerned about Jesus. He's concerned about the church. He's concerned about the the, the needs of everybody else. He is intentional. He's taking initiative. And then lastly, T is teachable. And then we're going to give you a chance to talk about these. Um, You might have somebody on your team that is gifted, that you feel like is called. But you know what? If they think they already know everything... I would say, whew, keep your distance, right? Such, such a key component of this is somebody that has a humble attitude, that's willing to listen, that's willing to learn from other leaders, that's eager to grow. No matter how useful they may be, no matter how reliable and faithful they may be in their own mind, they're willing to listen. And a big, big, the biggest part of teachability is, is humility. Um, they don't think they know it all. They don't always think they have a better way of doing it. Now, hopefully you have people on your team that are giving you valuable input, right? Hopefully there's somebody on your evangelism ministry team that's saying, hey, Chris, the next time we have an evangelism ministry meeting, could we spend some time doing X, Y, and Z, right? They may have a good idea, but that they're not coming to you after every meeting saying we should have done this, you should have done that, right? That, that's, not, that's not teachable. Um, again, I love the example of Timothy. He was willing to be circumcised, like that to me. Okay, man, like you're humble, you're willing to be teachable, Right? Um, but I also think of this guy Apollos in Acts chapter 18. It says there in Acts 18 that Apollos was eloquent, he was competent in the scriptures, um, he was instructing people in the way of the Lord, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, even though he only knew the baptism of John. We don't have time to go into what that may have meant. But what happened? He's speaking boldly in the synagogue, but, but this couple comes along, Priscilla and Aquila, and they see this guy who's, he's a dynamic teacher. He's, he's doing things for the Lord, right? But Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside and explain to him the way of God more accurately. I mean, this guy seems to me to be like a shining star in the ministry, and yet he's willing to, to be taught, to be corrected, to be trained by Priscilla and Aquila. He's got that teachable heart, and so we need, to, we need to look for that. You know, Matt mentioned Ed Mejia is not here tonight. Um, But, man, I thought about him as we were praying over him, meeting him, considering him for this church planting residency. And I knew very quickly that he was faithful. The way that I talked and meeting his wife, that he loved Jesus, loved his family. I knew that he was reliable. Why? He, he was coming to Acts 29 events before he was in a residency, before he was a part of our church. He showed up and visited Living Hope even before he was in the residency. I knew he was useful because, because I could see his proven ministry history and I was able to watch some other sermons that he had taught. I knew that he had a preaching gift. Um, he seemed intentional because he went through the 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 process to apply for the residency right but he was asking questions he was taking initiative but I tell you the biggest thing that I was looking out for in my meetings and conversations with Ed I I could tell he was gifted I could tell he was called I could tell he loved the Lord but I kept asking myself is this a guy that's going to listen is this a guy that's going to be humble? Is he going to come in here thinking that he already knows everything and he just needs to check off the box that he's got done a residency so that he can go plant the church? Or is he humble enough as, as a young, gifted, energetic guy to listen to the elders, to take input, to grow here? And, and that was like the big thing on my heart. And I realized, yeah, this guy could, could easily be leading a church on his own. But he's so humble, so willing to listen, so teachable. This is a guy who is bearing fruit and I believe will continue to bear fruit. And so, um, I hope that I hope that you'll think about that. I got an email from Laura Dybert a couple of weeks ago. who she said? L- Laura uh, manages her blog. She does all the editing and recruiting and scheduling, and, and and she said, "Tim, I'm not thinking about quitting." She said, "But I started to think this year that I'd love to find somebody else that that I could train up to teach to do what I'm doing, so that if I ever need a break, there'll be." This beautiful. Like, Laura didn't even come to the seminar. She's already got it, right? So what we want you to do now is to take some time at your table. There's some discussion questions there. And to think about, just like Laura Diver is, like, what does leadership development look like in my area of ministry? It might just be one person doing one thing. It might be a team approach. And who are the people that are currently in your ministry that are faithful, reliable, useful, intentional, and teachable? So we've got some discussion questions there. Um, you can... Um, you can lead those, maybe if, if you can identify, uh, somebody speak up at your table that's willing to kind of facilitate discussion.
2: All right, so um, yes, I did put a pile of papers on each table. They are a chart, uh, which will be for the second portion of what I'm talking about, so you don't need those right away. Uh, but what I want to spend about 15 minutes or so uh, talking to you about is um, you know, we've talked about a vision for missionary growth, or ministry growth, excuse me, and we've looked at, a, Matt looked at a case study a little bit in terms of life groups, and uh, and then Tim kind of gave us a model of identifying um, those who could become tomorrow's leaders uh, in our church, and so now that we've kind of looked at the need and looked at who can lead, it helps to have a framework, right, to be able to work from as we try to actually develop those people into potential leaders, so we're going to try to do that a little bit um, in the next 15 minutes. Uh, I could probably spend the next two hours talking about it, so I'm going to try to cram uh, as much and make it uh, make it m- meaningful for you as I can. Um, you know, really, I think one of the really big important points that I've heard Matt and Tim both make that I and I and I feel it in our discussion at our table is that. Um, we really kind of have two choices when it comes to this developing leaders, right? Um, we can either passively let it happen or we can, or we can plan for it intentionally um, and, and, so, and prepare intentionally. So, you know, that's what we're hoping this is about. So we're going to talk about a little bit about what I would call the apprenticeship mindset. So what do you think of when you think of the idea of an apprentice or an apprenticeship? Yeah, this is going to be a little participatory. Sorry? Okay. Yeah. Um, learning alongside somebody else to do a job. Okay. Learning alongside somebody else to do a job. Anybody else? Somebody knows what they're doing. Learning about somebody that knows what they're doing. Time commitment. Time commitment. Anything else? Underpaid. Underpaid. <laughs> <laughs> Generally. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we think about an apprentice in the world, right? We think about somebody that's learning a trade, right? Uh, or learning a job, typically from somebody that's skilled. Uh, and, and, yes, if you actually look at that definition, Tim, it does say somebody that's typically agreed to work for low wages for a period of time, right? If you're looking at a real... Uh, but that's not what this is about, right? That's, we're not talking about wages here. We're talking about this. Um, and, and oftentimes we, you know, we think about it and we think about really skilled jobs, right? Like apprenticeships aren't like, you know... I guess there's a sales apprenticeship, I'm in sales, but, you know, they're more, they tend to be uh, things like electricians and things like that, and you think about all that they have to do in their job. I think that's an important aspect of it, right? They, they learn the details uh, of a trade. Um, there's another term that we kind of see in and amongst when a, when an apprenticeship is going on um, that we often hear about, which is the idea of being a mentor or a mentorship, right? And... What I would tell you is that I think a a mentor and a mentorship is is a really important thing, but I think it's an aspect of an apprenticeship. Okay, I I think that um, what we're looking to do is establish an apprentice or an apprenticeship, and then we're mentors to those folks. It's it's a portion of what we do. Um, So why are apprenticeships important to ministry? So we've talked about uh, some different things today that have already been that way, but How many people have ever had a job where they felt like they need, or a a responsibility where they felt like they needed to be in two places at once? Right? Everybody, right? Or you felt like there was many things that had to be done and didn't know how you were going to accomplish it. The reality is that apprenticeship and mentorship really leads to multiplication, right? Multiplying the leaders that we have, multiplying others that know Christ. But a lot of it is really to be able to do it well. It's also about delegation right, the ability to delegate, another word that we talk about uh, very often. So
1: a few things I'm going to give you
2: that I think speak to the idea of why why they're important um, and why it's important that you look for these. One is that it shows that the ministry doesn't revolve around you, right? If you're constantly looking for other leaders, it shows that it's not about you. Um, It also prevents you from holding on too tightly, right, right? Too often we want to hold on too tightly to that ministry. Um, And I don't know about you, but a lot of times that can be almost a prideful thing sometimes when we hold on too tightly. And we certainly don't want to be prideful about, you know, the ministries that we're leading. Um, We demonstrate that we show value in others and we trust others by doing it. It shares the load, right? Um, Develops others and prepares for future ministry. And it also creates a repeatable model. One of the things we're going to talk about. It creates a model that we can repeat again and again. Again, truly leading to multiplication. What we're trying to do: multiply leaders, multiply followers of Christ, do what He's called us to do. Now I want to, I want to be upfront with you. You know, the, the enemy and Satan, he really, really doesn't like this idea. Because what does he know? He knows that apprenticeship and mentorship does lead to multiplication, right? And so he's going to do whatever he has to in order to stop that from occurring. You know, one of the things I think he does incredibly well sometimes is that he helps us focus on, he he makes us focus on the urgent and not on the important. What I mean by that is we get locked into what we're doing today to make our ministries work, and we're not looking at a vision for where we need to go with our ministries, right? If we're only looking down at what we have to do today, we can't see where we need to go. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a weapon that the enemy has and something that we need to really be aware of, that when we do this, we are going to, we are going to see that come against us. Um, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is what an apprentice is and also what an apprentice is not. Okay. So, uh, we talked about that an apprentice, someone who leads, uh, learns to lead ministry by doing, right? It's on the job training under the oversight of a skilled leader. You can think of another word, maybe a protege, right? A protege that's growing in maturity in Christ, leading others, looking to become someone who can develop Christ-likeness in others, right? So somebody that can also maybe see a little bit further. Someone who takes on additional responsibilities in a ministry in order to gain practical experience. Those are just some of the things of what an apprentice is. But what isn't an apprentice, or what is an apprentice not? Well, the first thing I would tell you is they're not, is they're not an assistant, Okay, so an assistant is generally focused on making their leader successful, right? Opposite of apprenticeship, that's really what the opposite of apprenticeship is. Uh, an assistant is a supportive role that really kind of instills and creates a hierarchy, right? Um, maybe a, a, a need, but, but not a substitute. You know, assistants are there to help, they're not to take over, uh, an apprentice should be preparing to take over. So there's a, there's a big difference. Now, I couldn't think of a, of a better word for this next one, so bear with me if this sounds derogatory, because we're going to talk about how it can be a, a good thing in a way. But the second thing that they're not is they're not a gopher. Okay? And what I mean by that is, you know, gophers are really a, 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 an assistant that doesn't have our trust or, mo- or any motivation or vision. If you're a high control leader, you might try to make your apprentices go first. So you have to be careful about that, right? And then um, th- these, these folks though often lack the ability to see be their, their need to play a bigger role. They just want to be able to take care of this and that and be a part of things, but that's kind of where they see the, the, the end of it. Stand-ins, right? They're not a stand-in. A stand-in is someone that you call on in your absence, but you're never there to observe how, what they do or how they do it, and you never provide any feedback or or anything along that. You can't encourage them, you can't coach them, you can't work with them, right? Apprentices need that. They need that coaching. They need you to work with them. They need you to be there to observe. And so that is, uh, um, that's a difficult uh, thing to try to make them to be that they shouldn't be. And the last thing is students. Right, They're not students because, let's face it, if we got everybody in a classroom and showed them videos and tried to train them on how to be a leader and we didn't give them any practical things to go out and do, what would end up happening? Right, They wouldn't have that practical experience. They'd just be regurgitating whatever we taught them. Right, So that's a, that's a really uh, uh, important thing. But hear me on this. Great apprentices often start as gophers. They often become assistants. Um, They often serve as stand-ins. And a lot of times, they're pretty good students, Mm -hmm. right? And and one of the things that we have to do is that those folks may never advance if we don't identify and we don't start to develop and encourage them. So I think that's a really uh, important piece. Briefly, um, why do I think this is such a, a powerful example for us? Tim talked about it in a lot of ways, but it's biblical. It's what we see in Jesus, right? So we see him when we look at the Gospels. We see Jesus calling his disciples. But what we also see him doing is, what did he do? He he decentralized his ministry, right? He appointed them. He called them to do things. He sent them out to do things, right? And then where do we see that go? We saw that go to people like Paul, who then did the same with Timothy, and on and on and on and on down the road. So it's a very uh um, you know repeatable process that we see throughout scripture so if you want to take that chart that I have that I gave you I want to take just a a, a few more minutes, maybe five I'm going to go a couple over and uh, <laughs> and i want to uh and I want to talk about developing an apprentice okay and as i you know there's a lot of material out up there on this, guys. There's a lot of material on how to develop leadership. I'm sure if you've done any bit of leadership training, I've said something already that you've heard somebody else say, right? Um, but as I looked at a lot of that material and thought over what I've been taught over the years, I thought the easiest way to think about this was to think about that at every level, there's basically three things going on. There are three things we need to make sure are going on. The first is leading. The second is observing and the third is communication or what's going on from a communication standpoint at that level. So we're gonna start at the very top and if you're in that upper left corner, right? I want you to think of that upper left corner as your current state. That's where you are as a leader today, okay? So that's what would would go into that box, all right? If, If you're looking at what's going on from an observation level. If you're a leader today, others are observing you, right? might give you a little bit of anxiety for me to tell you that, but it's a reality. And it's something that we need to be thinking about as we're thinking about being good leaders and developing apprentices. And then there's a a level of communication that's going on. So as we talk about what we're doing in our role today, hopefully we're thinking about the people that we're ministering to. We're communicating with God. We're communicating with through prayer. we're, We're seeking the next step. All right? Now I want you to think of the next row down as, again, now now you're gonna try to take a step forward, okay? Your desire here in leadership is to grow. And that growth means that you're actually going to be looking for other leaders. So what are you doing in the observe section? Well, you're doing exactly what Tim talked about, right? You're using that fruit model to see others that are faithful, reliable, Useful, intentional, right? And then when you go over to that last box, communicate, what's happening at that point? Well, you've identified some folks, right? That's what you're trying to do. So who are you communicating with? Well, first, you need to be communicating with God, right? You need to be praying about the people that, that you've identified. The second thing is that communicate with one another, with your fellow leaders, as Tim said, we're, we're not asking you to go out there and, and cast a vision to somebody and tell them they're going to be the next this or that. We want you to step back a little bit and say, hey, we see, we see your ability to grow. We see potential in you, you know, and, and talk to them about it in that way and, and cast that uh, and cast the vision to them in that way. So communication with God, communication with those who are looking to grow, communication with other leaders. Now we start to get practical. You've identified that person, right? And now you've talked about that a little bit. You've casted a vision. Maybe you've even spelled out to them a role that they could play. How do you? Where do you go next? Well, where you would go next in that first leadership box is that you're going to physically demonstrate to them how to do it. Right? What is it you're asking them to do? And this is this is what it takes to do it. And then really, all the observation is in the, is is a lot in the hands of the apprentice at that point. They're observing you. And they're, and they're trying to learn what it is what you're doing. And while everything I've talked about in communication and the two above still applies, now the communication starts to shift to the communication a little bit between you and that person, right? So, this is where you start to have those conversations of what worked. What did you like about what we have going on? What do you think didn't work? What in our discussion was, what went well? How do you see that we can improve? Involving them in the thinking and the processing of what's going on. All right? The next two, as I I look down, really you could rush the next two steps. And I would encourage you to kind of slow down here. All right? The first one, in terms of leading, is I would say the leader again demonstrates and the apprentice helps. Okay? So give the apprentice specific roles that they can play in what you're doing. Give them specific jobs that they can perform, right? And together, you both observe. They're observing, again, you, everything you're doing, and then you're observing how they've taken on the roles. Not everybody that we think we identify right away is going to be who we think they're going to be, right? (laughs) And not everybody's gonna develop as fast as we would expect them to develop. So pay attention to to how that's going. And communication becomes obvious in that, right? It's again that same type of feedback communication. How do you think that went? What can we do differently? Now what I would say is that the roles reverse in the next column, or the next row. So the apprentice demonstrates now, and the leader helps. So when you feel like you've made it to the point that this person is ready to do more of the leadership task of that role, give them more responsibility and you help them, right? And you do some of the side things. Again, just like the step before, this gets a little bit repetitive now, I know, but just like the step before, both are observing, right? Both are observing. And hopefully by this point in the communication, and something I would look for in terms of initiation, is are they coming to you asking how things are going? Or are you always having to go to them about it? Right? So that's an important point. Hopefully they're showing that initiative to know and to want to wanna know how things are going. Again, take this slow. One of the most valuable things I've learned in my time here at Living Hope and Leadership is not to rush this. Right? Try We've got to we think of it as a, as, a, as a long race that we're trying to develop these folks and take it at the speed that, that it feels like God is calling you to. The next one down, the apprentice leads, right? That's the leadership now, is the apprentice is leading. The only one really observing at that point is the leader that first started off with them, right? Once you have them leading, make sure you continue to observe. Make sure you continue to check in. Make sure you continue to talk about how things are going for them. Don't just, you know, throw them out there, kick the bird out of the nest, right? Find out how they're doing, I would say at this point when we talk about communication, it's still similar, but I think this is a point at which, while encouragement is important all the way, all the way along there, I would say encouragement is especially important now. Right? Share with them what you're hearing about what, how the ministry's going and what's going on with them. And then finally, when you get down to the bottom, this is where the, really the whole process begins to repeat itself, and this is what I mean by a repeatable model. Now you have an apprentice who's back where you were at the very top of this chart. You have an apprentice who is, is demonstrating and leading. People are watching what they're doing. Hopefully others are observing, and they're starting to observe others who are able to do what the process that they went through as they were discipled, as they were trained up. Right? And they're looking, they're looking for those others. They're praying. They're communicating with you. They're communicating with other leaders. The reality is as we grow we're not here to grow just by numbers we're here to grow that so that the gospel can be expanded and the reality is, is that as we have more people come on we need more leaders I'm not saying this is a foolproof method but I think it's a it's a simple repeatable process um, and hopefully it gives you some some guidance and some insight into uh, into where we can go so we have some more discussion questions um, there's four more dis- discussion questions in the original handout that you received. So please take some time to, uh, to sit with your table and to uh, go over those. I guess we can go till about 10 of, and then we'll do some wrap-up. All right.
0: Guys, I'm going to um, be the bad guy and pull us back together here for a minute. Um, just want to see what what final questions that you have as, as we look to to kind of carrying out this model. This is a couple of quick things I just want to highlight from what George said as we talk about this whole process of of catching the vision for multiplication, of identifying leaders who have the potential to multiply, of then raising up and, and building up and training those leaders. This has to be a proactive thing, right? I mean, if we sit back and are passive, you know, God will probably keep keep things moving forward on his own. But, man, how much more beautiful and effective if we are actively engaged in casting vision for multiplying and identifying people and helping them, you know, to be trained and, and to raised up. The, the one thing I appreciate about what George said, most of us are, are wise enough to know that we need a stand-in, right? Like, so that if, if you're sick on Lunch Fellowship Sunday, if, if you can't be there at the next men's meeting, you know, if you're not there for the women's ministry team, we all need a stand-in who can, you know, do what we need to do when we're not there. But the difference, what I took from what George said, the difference between a standing and an apprentice is that you're then giving them feedback, right? You're communicating with them about like, hey, I heard this went well. Or you're having them stand in even when you are there, right? So you can observe them, so you can give feedback. So you're communicating with them. That's the big difference, um, you know, between having just somebody to fill in versus really developing somebody is that feedback. And and the other thing that I just want to say, Matt mentioned that book, um, uh, Sticky Sticky Teams, I think it's Sticky Teams is the one. Well, there's both books, but I think in Sticky Teams, they talk about let young eagles fly. And what that means is like if you have somebody in your ministry team that is just has leadership potential, is excited, and you're not giving them those opportunities to lead to, you know, to put if I never let Matt preach, he would eventually get frustrated and he would quit and he would go find a church where they would let him preach. Right. And so if you don't let those young eagles fly, they're going to find another ministry team leader that will utilize them. And so and so we need to let them fly within our ministry. Right. If George led worship every single week and didn't let Mike or Miles or Karen or Amanda pick songs and like they would get frustrated. Right. So let them fly. Let them flourish under your ministry.